0: You may have heard it's the 10 year anniversary, the 2011 Cardinals World Series champs, the comeback kids, the crazy story, the rally squirrel, all of it made for an incredible late season journey and I guess every time a Cardinal team is seemingly out of it somewhere someone will say, "Uh, oh, remember 2011, remember the comeback." And going back to look at some of the numbers, for the wild card, remember there was just one wild card in 2011. Cardinals were four and a half back with 16 games to play. They were two and a half back with nine games to play. And I've always looked at this sort of two ways. Yes, the Braves collapsed because Atlanta was the team that the Cardinals were chasing up until the final game of the season. But also the Cardinals winning, they went 18 and eight in September. So they were plus 10 in September the Cardinals winning put that pressure on Atlanta. So I don't think Atlanta folds unless there's a team like St. Louis in pursuit. So this particular Kill Coin conversation is with Matt Holliday, the former Cardinal, and it's very specific. The entire segment is about that 2011 season. What were the emotions? When you look at the standings and sort of candidly realize, you know, we're probably not, probably not going to make it. And then you make it and you gotta face Roy Halliday and the Phillies, and you gotta beat the top team in the National League. And then you fast forward to the World Series and wow, it's over. You're gonna lose a game six at home. It just doesn't look good. And yet the David Freeze moments happen. So we asked Matt some of those honest emotions, you know, what are you thinking as a player throughout those moments in the season, in those games? Incredible. Incredible moments that you could say, hey, that's a career highlight. I was part of game six. And then you go back and say, well, wait a minute, I was part of that game five in Philadelphia. Just so many great games during that run. And the anniversary of the team is coming up. They're going to all get back together, a little reunion action. So this is real specific. And we do this every once in a while. And I think I learned from Bob Costas at one point, he was going to be on a segment, maybe radio or TV. And he said, is this one of those Wikipedia interviews. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, if we're going to go through every stage of my career, and I think it happens, you know, let's say the guy's sports radio in Tulsa, book Bob Costas, and it starts with, yeah, well, you uh, got started in 1980 and you're at Camo X, then you go to NBC. And now this is very specific. And we did that with Bob when we did the whole interview about the art of the interview, talking about Larry King and David Letterman, Howard Stern different interview style. So this whole interview with Matt Holiday is not about his career, favorite moments, any of that, it's specific to 2011. And I kind of joked in the interview, boy, they ought to write a book about this. When you think about it, Tony La Russa's final season, he had made that decision, didn't tell the team until after they won the World Series. He had the rally squirrel. He had the hometown hero in David Freeze. Um, and I started saying this and I realized... I saw it online this weekend. Benjamin Hockman of the Post-Dispatch did write a book about the 2011 World Champs and the crazy season. So my apologies to Hoxie for not pointing that out in the interview. I hope you'll enjoy it. A lot of great Cardinal moments to look back on and what made that team special and how they pulled it off, how they did it, including that final night in Houston where they win the game, but then they got to wait and watch to see if the Braves are going to lose. And if they're getting on a plane to Philly, all of that rolled into this conversation with Matt Holiday, And our conversation is presented, as always, by B&G Tuck Pointing. They are the best in the bricks. So what does that mean? Well, if you have a brick house and all of a sudden the tuck pointing is falling apart, needs some repair, you can make your home look new again. That's what B&G Tuck Pointing is all about. The home, the garage, the chimney, any of the bricks, make them their best by calling the best in the bricks. 363 363- 0525 is their number, 314 363 0525. And that gets you a free estimate from Rich Galati. He is the owner there. Call them for all of those needs, including foundation repair, waterproofing, the best in the bricks, B and G, Tuck Pointing. Triad Bank, one of our longtime sponsors, they're a St. Louis based bank. They started in 2005, five star rated bank, and they're helping folks in St. Louis do more business. That's what they've been doing for a long time. You know, the new ice complex out in Chesterfield, the Maryville University ice complex, they were able to do that done with some financing from Triad Bank. Getting things done in your neighborhood, that's what they're all about. You can stop by and see them on Clayton Road in Frontenac or simply at the website triadbanking.com. Marie DeVilla Senior Living. They're located at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road, 60-acre beautiful campus. We encourage you, if you're starting to think about retirement, Maybe it's for your parents, your aunt, your uncle. Check them out. Do a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. That's M A R I D E VILLA, V I L L A, MarieDevilla.com. And appliance discounters, where they want you to know one simple thing their savings are your savings. And you know what? Anytime you go in there, because the price tag will show you what the big box stores are charging for that same product around town, they check it out so you don't have to. You can see it right there on the price tag. And a lot of delays right now, a lot of delays these days. Sort of a rhyme, I guess. The point is they have the inventory to get you the appliance quickly. They can do that because of the 80,000 square foot warehouse in downtown St. Louis. So get it delivered quickly. Don't wait months for the new washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator. Get it within days and make sure you're getting a GE appliance. Check out all of the merchandise. Simply search On TheApplianceDiscounters.com, the search engine, type in General Electric. A lot of great GE rebates as well. Check them out in person, all the great showrooms around town, or TheApplianceDiscounters.com. And now to Matt Holiday talking all about 2011. Well, I know you guys are getting together for the reunion. Does it? I mean, it seems like a sports guy cliche to say, wow, has it really been 10 years? But what about somebody who lived it? Does it feel like that season, that magical run, was 10 years ago?
1: You know, I, it's hard to. Uh, you know, sometimes it does, but I think when you when you look at it, uh, it does feel like the time has flown by. To now, we're celebrating ten years of uh, since that happened. Um, but you know, I, I think when you look at it, and Yachty and Wayno are still playing, and uh, Albert, uh, so it, it is. Uh, it is crazy that it's already been 10 years and, and uh, to get a chance to, to see some, some guys and, and see that team. And it's, I'm really looking forward to, to those couple of days in St. Louis.
0: You know what's amazing is how many different times it could have been over. First of all, not getting to the postseason, then certain games in po- the postseason where it could have been over. But I want to go back to late August, and it's been written that there was a clubhouse meeting. You guys get swept by the Dodgers, and I think at the time they were bad and then they said Chris Carpenter got up and spoke. What do you remember of that meeting, and, and what was the rallying cry then?
1: You know, I, I think it, it came out of frustration that, that how much talent that team had. Uh, I think that everybody knew, uh, as you looked around that room and you looked at, at, at all the you know the, the talent we had and, and kind of the, the players that we had on that team, uh, it wasn't adding up uh, to the performance on the field and whether it was – you know, one night uh, the pitching would do really well and we wouldn't score or, you know, the, the hitting would score seven and we'd give up eight or the bullpen would blow it. Uh, so it, it was just one of those things where we couldn't get, get really rolling in all three facets of the game. And I think that meeting, uh, I remember Chris, Carp, and, 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 uh, and, and Albert, some of the older players standing up and just basically saying, hey, we've got nothing to lose we got a month left. We've got a really good team. Let's have some fun. So I, I just think it was one of those things where, um, you know, veteran guys basically saying, Hey, look, we, we got a month left. Let's, let's have some fun. Let's go out and play hard. We've got a talented group of guys. we got a group that loves each other. Uh, we have a ton of fun together. Uh, let's just take it to the field and, and see what happens. And, and I think that, you know, from that moment on, we played really well. We got some breaks with some other teams helping us and, uh, it just kind of all kind of fell into place, which was uh, made it a lot of fun.
0: How, how do those meetings happen? And I'm assuming like our coaches, Larusa, they're not in there. Do you guys literally say, hold on, it's just us? Or how does that, how do those things, we hear about them over the years, but how does it actually play out?
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where a couple guys go, hey, let's, you know, we, this isn't going well. well. Let's get together as a team after this game. You know, it's probably the seventh, uh, eighth inning maybe of that Dodgers game or, or maybe have been talked about a couple of days before that where, you know, the team was kind of feeling like it was getting a little bit, uh, I don't know, disgruntled. Maybe there was, you know, guys were, were kind of starting to, to get frustrated and and uh, a couple older guys say, Hey, we need to, we need to get together as a team and, and figure out what we want to do as a team here. And, and, and sometimes that's the best kind of meeting. Uh, you know, I think, I think obviously Tony and, and the staff saw, uh, you know, kind of the, the flaws and, and things that were causing us not to be the team that, that we thought we could be, Uh, but sometimes it takes the players taking some, some personal accountability that this is our team. uh, This, this is our group. This is, you know, we have plenty of veteran leadership. We have young players. We have, we have what we need uh, to get the job done and, and Hey, let's, let's just get together and, you know, let guys talk a little bit and and uh, and see what happens. So uh, those things kind of come together. Uh, when a couple guys, you know, say, "Hey, let's 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 uh, let's have everybody stick around," you know, right when the game ends, just tell everybody we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a little meeting. So uh, that's usually how it happens.
0: And the math on it is crazy because it's late August. You guys are double digits behind in terms of the wild card. Even with 16 to go, you guys were four and a half back. Nine games to go, you're two and a half back. Was there a sense at any point there where you thought, hey, we're going to do this? Or did you ever look at the math and say, man, I don't know. This is going to be really going to take a minor miracle.
1: Yeah, I think everybody probably would have told you that you look at the math, both both of those scenarios. I think when you start getting into two and a half, you start to go, oh, OK, OK. You know, we're a couple days away from being right where we want to be. Uh, when you start talking about four and a half with 16 to go, you go, wow, it's it's uh, we're going to need a lot of help. And, and I think that that's, that's one of those things where you want the the fate of the season to be in your own hands and you start, it, it, it's a little uncomfortable when you need a lot of help. And I think that that was uh, one of those things where, you know, you, you just go, well, uh, all we could do is win today's game. And, and you try to keep it very specific to your task, which is we can only do one thing and that's win today and, and hope that we get a little help. But, uh, that's out of our hands. And so I think that the perspective uh, from that team and, and, uh, and those guys was let's just win and see what happens. And so uh, it, it did seem daunting, but like I said, you just turn your attention back to, to how can we, you know, win today and then win tomorrow and then see what
0: happens. And it's funny in Atlanta, they talk about the collapse and they had the big lead, but I think part of it is if you guys keep winning that probably adds to their pressure that they're feeling. So it's sort of, it's sort of both. Like it's not just that they collapse, but you guys had to have a hot September for them to sort of feel that pressure. And then it comes down to one final game. You're in Houston, so you guys finish the game off, and you, you're basically you're going to sit there and wait and watch. And if they lose, you win that night. You guys are are in. Tell me about that post game there. You just all gathered around watching the Braves game end.
1: Yeah, I I think it was – I think Carpet just pitched a very dominant game. Uh, The guys were were feeling good. Uh, And then, you know, everybody, you know, you kind of go in um, in the clubhouse in Houston. And uh, I remember everybody didn't change or, you know, everybody just left their uniforms on. Kind of just everybody's grabbing grabbing a plate of food or, um, you know, just kind of hanging out, watching in, in lots of different areas. There was probably 12 or 15 guys in the kitchen area and, and probably the rest of the group in the locker room watching on various TVs. and um, You know, you just kind of watch the game play out, nervous energy, uh, guys, you know, rooting, loud, hollering. Some people are nervous, quiet, and, you know, in the weight room, uh, just watching everybody handle uh, a situation like that in their own different way, you know, pretty much what their personality is, is, is fascinating and, and, uh, you know, just, just kind of watching to see what happens. And then, uh, obviously, uh, when, when they get the, 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 the final out, uh, everybody goes crazy. And, and uh, the celebration, you know, starts and the hugging and, the, uh, you know, roll in the champagne and, and all that stuff. And uh, it just, you know, goes from there.
0: And then you guys go to Philly and everybody's like, well, it's a nice story. You made it, but you're going to get clocked. I mean, the Phillies were, I don't know if they won 100. They 100-plus wins that season. What was there? A, it's rare. It's kind of weird to say the Cardinals in the underdog. You know, it's just weird. To, yeah. th- but it, but it really was. I mean, I don't think anybody thought, oh well, the win. That's hey, it's nice you made it. Good for you. Did, what what was the motivation there? Did you guys take on the underdog role, or, or were you just flying high like, hey man, we're on such a roll, nobody can beat us? What was kind of the sense? Yeah, I mean, I think when
1: when you look around, like if if uh, if you asked you know, the teams in the playoffs or around the league that year, uh, they would not like to play that Cardinal team. I mean, I I think when you talk about, if you literally look at the go position by position, you know, when you're talking about, you know, you got all-stars and and potential Hall of Famers with Yachty and Albert, you know, you've got incredible talent and and Lance Berkman, And you start talking about some really, really, High end players and Chris Carpenter's your ace, uh, you feel really good about your chances, in a, and especially in a short playoff, even though you're going up against Roy Halliday and Cliff Lee. And, uh, you know, it was a daunting task, obviously, going into Philadelphia. But at that point, we were kind of playing as if, you know, we had nothing to lose. You know, we weren't really supposed to be there. Uh, but I think we were also very confident at, at that time with how we were playing. Uh, the way that the team kind of, the roles had settled in, uh, you felt good about who was going to pitch in this inning and, uh, you know, as far as the bullpen, as far as, you know, being organized and how we were going to get outs in different situations and what the lineup would look like against certain pitchers. And So I think the team had really settled in, uh, which gave us confidence that, that we could beat anybody. And and, uh, and obviously Philadelphia was a tremendous team and, and having a tremendous season, but Uh, You know, when you have Chris Carpenter on the mound uh, in the game five uh, against Roy Halladay, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That's probably the most intense play. Every play mattered so much game, I think, maybe that I've ever played in as far as just you knew the margin for error with those two guys pitching was was so little, uh, the way they were pitching, that uh, every play was, was so intense that, you know, by the end of the game, you felt like you played of 15 games in that one game as far as emotional uh draining yeah
0: you know, they always say during a no hitter like nobody talks to the pitcher i just wonder in a game like that with carpenter locked in like do you guys just even does anybody even talk to him during the game i mean i would i feel like he'd punch his teammate if you disrupted his zen or something
1: i don't think anybody ever talked to carp when he was pitching like i don't, I don't think it wasn't just that game it was every game um you know the intensity and, and the uh, the focus and and the face that Chris Carpenter pitched with, I think it sent a pretty good message that hey, don't bother me, um, and and you know he was he was so locked in and such an incredible competitor. Uh, just the the intensity, you know, I mean, it could be just a Tuesday game in in July against the Brewers, and uh, you know he was just sweaty and, and yelling at people and angry and you know, just, just, that's just who he was on the mound and the competitor he was, which made his teammates love him. And, you know, his opponents, uh, I think were, were, uh, you know, a bit intimidated by him. So, um, it was, it was, uh, an incredible game. Uh, you know, how much it meant to him going up against, uh, Roy Halladay and, and their friendship, and just the, the story of that alone, uh, how much it meant to him and, and to watch him go out perform the way he did. And, uh, the celebration at the end was, was, uh, was one of the highlights. I think not only that season, but just my career of, of, of an individual game was, was pretty incredible.
0: You know, and David Fries is the World Series hero, but people, I don't know that people forget, but we don't talk about it a lot. He, he was on fire in the NLCS against the Brewers. And after, str- you know, you guys had to struggle every step of the way. But in that series, they're the division winner, they want it kind of going away. But by the time you guys got to the CS, I just wondered, after beating the, the, the Phillies, if it was almost like a sense of relief. But, I mean, it seemed like the, the NLCS with the Brewers you guys handled with relative ease.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you make it through that, that series against the, the Phillies, uh, the familiarity uh, with the Brewers and, and just kind of we knew each other so well. We were very comfortable uh, playing in that park. It was easy travel. Uh, It was uh, it was kind of like a take a deep breath, you know, kind of catch your breath a little bit uh, as far as, you know, just kind of the the comfort level of of going back and forth between St. Louis and Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, we were familiar with their pitchers and uh, it just, you know, yeah, it felt like uh, not to say that that they weren't a a good team. It just felt like the Phillies were were the best team that we were going to play. Uh, in that postseason and, you know, for us to make it through. And uh, now all of a sudden it's 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 not quite the level of, of pitching talent that we face with the Phillies. And so the hitters go, oh, you know, there's just a sense of uh, confidence going into the Brewers series that we're, we're playing really well. Uh, we feel really good about what we're doing and, and uh, we're going to win this.
0: And, and Freeze at that point, I mean, he's still like a, a younger player. Emerging. Was, wasn't he kind of like on scholarship? Didn't you take pay for his cabs and pay for his meals? And wasn't he kind of under your guidance at that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we, we tried to take, keep, keep, take good care of David. Um, he, uh, he had an incredible – it's just a – I mean, it's almost like a storybook. I mean, it's hard to imagine being a kid from St. Louis, growing up in St. Louis – to get it – first of all, to get traded back to the Cardinals from the Padres and then to have the kind of postseason run uh, and, and career uh, that he had for the Cardinals is – it really is – it's hard to, to fathom and, and even hard for, for me, you know me to, to understand what it might feel like to, to grow up in a city being a fan of a team, <clears throat> team like that and then to have those moments uh, that go down in, in Cardinal history, uh, pretty neat. Pretty, uh, pretty cool, and, and obviously David's a good friend. And to get a chance to watch him do those things on, on such a big stage uh, was pretty incredible, and, and big hit after big hit. And just, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of fun to watch and, and spend time with David and, and kind of help him understand some, some things as a younger player and, and help him grow as a man was, was, uh, was, a, was a pleasure for me.
0: And after everything you guys had done to get to that point, World Series, still you're flying home from Texas, uh, and you're down three-two. Unfortunately for uh, Rafi for a Call, it was not a happy flight from Texas back to St. Louis. What was the mindset there, where it, it all now after everything you guys had been through, you still had to win two more games?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the one thing we had going for us was going back to St. Louis and and knowing that uh, we played really well there. Uh, the fans, as, as everyone knows, uh, do play an impact on, on kind of the vibe of the team and the confidence level and the energy uh, that you get uh, taking Bush Stadium field in a World Series game and the, and the buzz in the city. Uh, it does give you confidence that all we have to do is win two home games and we're the world champions. You know, it's, It gives you uh, a good feeling while you're down a game Look, we, all we have to do is win two in a row on our home field in front of our home fans in an exciting atmosphere. Uh, every kid's dream to play in the World Series. And so uh, it, it. while, you know, you, you don't love being down three to two, it, it, it also didn't seem like uh, something that we, you know, we couldn't do. So uh, I think there was still confidence. I think there was still a, a good energy on the plane. I think everybody was still – Uh, in in, in good spirits and felt really good about what we were doing. And you credit the the coaching staff and the the leadership of the older players to provide that level of confidence and and kind of the let's not panic. And and all we have to do is win two home games in front of our home fans and and, uh, we'll be uh, carrying the trophy. So uh, it was uh, not ideal, but I also think guys were still very confident what we were doing.
0: How about the bottom of the night, though, when it looks like it is over, is it hard? Even as the most competitive type people, is it hard not to be thinking, "Wow, this is how it's going to end after everything we did?"
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think everybody uh, who's human, to, you know, goes there. I, I think there is the thought of, you know, "Dang, it's been a it's been a great ride, but it's you know, it's not looking good. Um, you're down to your last strike a couple different times. Uh, it, there is definitely that." feeling of you know maybe it's just not meant to be um but then you know all of a sudden uh it just makes it all that more exhilarating uh i guess when 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 it goes your way and and things like that happen it's what makes uh those videos bring goosebumps and and uh and and bring back memories and uh you know those are the things that last forever is is just the the feeling of where you were how that went down. you know, just, just the whole thing. And, and so uh, it, I, I definitely think that the guy's definitely, you know, there's times where it runs through your head that, uh, you know, dang, this, this just uh, came up a little bit short. But uh, then bang, you know, you get the big hit. And, and David, you know, comes up with a couple of huge knocks and, and Lance. Um, it's just, uh, you know, that's what makes it so special.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, if you wrote this script and gave it to Hollywood, they wouldn't believe it because, well, the hometown kid freeze tied it up. But then Josh Hamilton right away like is going to ruin the party with the two run homer and Berkman has joked with me. He's like, "Man, if it weren't for me, then Freeze wouldn't be the hero." I mean, he, <laughs> that hit was that hit was huge. Berkman, I mean, what a what an emotional roller coaster just in one. It's almost like a synopsis of your season where you guys were hanging by a thread and we think, "Oh well, it's over." And, oh, not over yet. I mean, that game to me kind of felt like your whole final month ro- rolled into one game.
1: No doubt. And like you said, when Josh Hamilton hits the homer, you're like, oh, man, really? Like, you know, all that. And that's how it's going to end. Like, you know, it, that's very not how I envisioned it. So, um, yes, Lance uh, Lance's hits. It was huge. And, and uh, you know, you talk, start talking about John Jay and Daniel Descalzo and some of the kind of the unsung or untalked about uh You know, plays and and players on that team and and those situations. So, uh, lots of things. uh, Lots of guys had great at bats and and made great plays uh, for that whole thing to to kind of work out. And obviously, you know, David's hits were kind of the signature moments of of the of that the World Series and and that season. But uh, there's lots of big moments, you know, in and around those moments that allowed us to get to that situation. And so. Uh, you know, Lance, is, his, his, uh, his personality, uh, his presence, uh, his calmness, uh, and, and played a huge role in, in that team in that season. And uh, no surprise, you know, he came up with a big hit. Just uh, an incredible uh, guy and player. And, and so uh, that, it's cool to, to think about just kind of being part of that moment for him which he would probably tell you is the biggest moment of his career to get a chance to watch that and be part of it was, was an honor.
0: You know, it was Tony looser during that. What I remember being in Philly, it's like the night before game one and I had to do a TV hit and I'm putting on makeup and, you know, I need all the help I can get. And he, he starts, huh. whist, he starts whistling for me to come over and he's got a bunch of stupid jokes about me and makeup and all this. And I would, I look back on it later. I'm like, I've never seen him act that way during October where he was, like, laughing and kind of having fun. And I just – what I mean, I guess he knew he was going to retire or that that was it for him. But was he different during that run, the, the psycho-intense Tony? Was there kind of a, a Tony at peace?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, looking back on it, I would say probably yes. But, you know, when you're going through it, you don't really know what to expect, I guess, when you're just – grinding away. Um, but I do think that there's, you know, like anybody when you get towards the end or you think that you might be, uh, this might be your last world series, obviously he's back managing now, but I think at the time he probably knew, uh, this was it and he was trying to enjoy it. And I think that, you know, unlike a lot of people, like, I think just in general, when you get to the end, like even for me in 2018, going back, uh, with the Rockies and, and, uh, you know, sort of knowing that that might be the end, you just want to enjoy it, and make sure that uh, you really take it in and savor the moment and the opportunity knowing uh, that this might be the last time you get the chance to, to wear a uniform and, and to play the game. And um, so I, I think there was part of that with Tony was was uh, was just trying to make sure that, that uh, he enjoyed it like maybe never before. And uh, I think that we probably saw him, you know, maybe show a little bit more positive energy than, and and like you said, joking this um, and maybe less stoic and, and uh, intense Tony, um, which as, as we all know, is is per usual, kind of the norm for him. But um, you just had a lot of confidence in him as a manager uh, that he was prepared. And, and uh, you know, we all knew uh, that's all he wanted to talk about and and think about was, was the game and, and every time you would see him, whether it was, you know, 11 o'clock at night after the game when he's, you know, you see him in the lobby and he's asking you questions about what do you think about the lineup or this or that, or, you know, it's just he's writing stuff down on a napkin or a piece of paper. And it just, you feel a lot of confidence with Tony knowing, uh, you know, just that's all he thinks about really is how you're going to win the next game. Uh, so uh, it was, a, it was an honor to play for Tony and, and uh, to see uh, kind of all that goes into being the kind of manager that he was.
0: We'll wind this thing down. Uh, YouTube Cardinal analyst Matt Holiday is the guest here. The uh, um, I'm just thinking about all the games you were in, and if, if your kid said, Dad, what was the best game you ever played in? And it's probably got to be game six of the World Series, but it could have been that game five against Halliday and the Phillies. It could be that wild, wild card game against the Braves. It could be the big comeback against the Nats. It could be the Matt Adams homer to beat Kershaw and the Dodge. I mean, it's in the Pittsburgh game uh, where Waka had to shut them down, I mean, you ever think back, like all of these games I'm mentioning that you were a part of, those, those could all be like on MLB as instant classics. And you were in, and in a short period of time, you and the Cardinal fan base had like tons of these great games and just. I'm just thinking about it now, like any one of those for one player would be like the greatest game they were ever part of. And you've got like five of those.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I've feel very fortunate to have played in so many great games, but really that was the, the, the main reason or one of the big reasons why I wanted to stay in St. Louis or, or play and, and spend the majority of my career there was this, I knew that we were going to be playing in big games. And when you get a chance to play in big games and you're on a team that is, is every year, you know, the, the goal is to win the World Series and, and you're going to have a chance to, to play in the postseason uh, almost every year. Uh, y- you run into these games. I mean, it just happens in the postseason. So um, I knew uh, in signing a seven-year contract with the Cardinals, I was going to get a chance to play in a lot of big games and play in a lot of meaningful postseasons. And I think every player, you know, that's kind of your dream is to, to, to play – Uh, meaningful games in September and then on into October and have a chance to win a ring and so uh, that was that was you know a lot of 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 my favorite I guess parts of of being a Cardinal was just you know every you knew that every October we were going to be playing and and so uh, I also got a chance to you know obviously play in the game and in in Colorado and the the Padres deal and uh, that whole game 163 so uh, I was very fortunate, Martin, to play in a, in a lot of uh, amazing games and, and situations. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I, I think when you're going through it, you don't enjoy it as much as you should because you're so worried about the next play or the next game, and uh, you just you just don't have a time time to look around and, and take it all in. And so uh, that was always my advice, I guess, near the end of my career was, was talking to young players and and the guys that that you know kind of were uh, you know, feeling a bit of the dog days of, of August and, and, you know, late summer to, Hey, just try to make sure that that you take it all in and and enjoy it and, and really, um, savor these moments because, you know, there's going to be a time when you're done playing and, and there's just no replicating, uh, this kind of competition and this kind of camaraderie with team and, and, uh, and energy and, and, uh, you know, just, it's just, it's just hard to replicate. So, um, like I said, I, I was very fortunate to play in, in tons of amazing moments and, and games and, and experience a lot of highs and lows and, and, uh, and, and a lot in between. So um, I consider myself, you know, very blessed and, and know that, you know, when I was a kid that to get a chance to play for parts of 15 years in the major leagues and, and, uh, and play in three World Series and lots of
0: postseason games.
1: Uh, it's, it's a
0: pretty, uh, pretty awesome feeling. And it all started with appendicitis game one or right. Opening day, you homered opening day and then ended up, was it an emergency appendicitis like that night?
1: Yeah. I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but I remember my stomach kept hurting and, uh, I told the trainers and I'm like, you know, I don't know what this is. And, and so finally I, I went and got one of those die MRIs. And they're like, yeah, you're going to have to have your appendix taken out tomorrow morning. Uh, so, uh, I remember I, I I did that and I talked Tony out of putting me on the DL. I remember the, you know, I said, you give me four or five days. We have an off day worked in there. Like I'll be ready in a week. And he's like, what are you talking about? You won't be ready in a week. I'm like, ah, I just saw an NFL quarterback who played a week later after you know appendicitis or whatever. Um, and so I think pretty much six or seven days later, I was playing in San Francisco and, and uh, was able to make it back. But yeah, that was a, uh, that definitely not, not uh, ideal.
0: What a year. What a year. Wainwright gets knocked out for the whole season in spring training. You got the Albert contract story looming all year. LaRusse ends up retiring. You win the world series. What a reunion it's going to be. It'll be fun to have you guys back in St. Louis. Uh, Enjoy being back with your teammates. The, the lore lives on. Anytime a Cardinal team now is way back. Everyone just says, well, remember 2011 it's unbelievable. That's the rallying cry. Every time the team is, seemingly yeah. seemingly out of it, but great to catch up and good luck to you and Leslie with the tires as you uh, uh, roll into Oklahoma city. Hey, thanks Martin. Always uh, enjoy talking ball with you. You know, one of the things about Matt that I always liked as a player, he was a good interview when you got him to do it, but he was kind of low key. He wasn't a real big media guy, but post baseball, he's got a lot to say and a real smart guy. And it was fun just sort of walking down how that all played out in 2011 I do think every year when a team is, quote unquote, out of it, somebody's going to say, hey, hey, don't forget, don't forget Twenty. In a way, it's sort of annoying because those things just don't happen over and over again. That's what makes a season like that, a team like that, so special is because it just doesn't happen often. So as much as we want to point to that as a rallying cry when a team is struggling, it's just not realistic. That was a special Late season comeback and then a wild October ride. So much fun to talk about. Looking forward to that entire team being back at Bush Stadium later this month. The Kilcoin Conversation can be found at com. The Cardinal broadcaster, Dan McLaughlin, with the great website. Daily content, columns by Bernie Miklas, all sorts of great audio, podcast segments. Make sure you're checking out com. And for us, we encourage you to subscribe, either iTunes Spotify, and it gets delivered directly to you. So Matt Holiday in the books. We're going to have Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, later this week. The Kilcoin Conversation presented, as always, by B&G Tuckpointing. Get them on the web at bgtuckpointing.com or get a free estimate for your tuckpointing needs, foundation, repair, waterproofing. Call 363-0525. 314-363-0525 five. They are the best in the bricks. Triad Bank, second location coming soon. That's going to be on Olive Road, the original spot in Frontenac on Clayton. That one's easy to get to wherever you live, real close to the Highway 40 Lindbergh exit. But simply go on the web, triadbanking.com and check out all their great services helping St. Louis businesses do more business. Appliance Discounters, it's real simple. Get the appliance soon. Don't wait months. Go to their website, theappliancediscounters.com, or stop by the area showrooms. Also, Marie de Villa, Senior Living, beautiful spot at the corner of Mason and, no, check that. Corner of Clayton, I'm a block off. Clayton and Weidman, I should know that. Only said it a few hundred times. Marie de Villa, Hey, you'll know it when you see the fountains out front, mariedevilla.com. Check out the Villa Estates, assisted living, just a great spot. They've been there since 1960. I'm Martin Kilcoyne. Thanks for tuning in, as always, to the Kilcoin Conversation.